Welcome back, Dodecadorks. For the 12 sided guys, we have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Roos. That's me. In some new drip. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. Jordan as Richter. Good evening. And me, Paul, as the dungeon master who does all of the accents and impressions. For example, get to the ratings and reviews. Do it. It's right here. <laughs> it's not one star. Not one star at all. So come on. Welcome to California. <laughs> it's not the one star. So come on. Or this one. Get to the Patreon. It's right here. Bonus content. <laughs> Welcome to California. <laughs> Let's see if you can guess this accent. Get to the Discord. It's right there. <laughs> Link is in the description. So come on. And I shop. 12sidedguys.com. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you remembered to up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start, so you and your brother could survive the first level, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 90. Well, welcome back to uh, the 12 Sided Guys Crystal Codex and the city of Almar. Last time we were together, Roos had a little romantic rendezvous as he said goodnight to Pender, the poet, and then an ex-boyfriend came and crashed the party, attacking Pine and Roos in the street in the middle of the night. It was a close one, but thanks to some good rolls and some pretty good use of skills, Pine and Roos were able to bring down Farron, the hunter for Howling Talon. After they brought him down, they knocked him unconscious, and they took him to the sewers where Nari, Richter, Pine, and Roos all talked to Farron and decided on a new course of action. Uh, they were able to convince Farron to leave the city saying that he already had captured Roos and was taking him back to Arkelvy. And with the help of Tigish, Roos's former mentor and also member of Howling Talon, this plan very well may work. Um, as the night was ending, Pine pulled Tigish aside and offered up another contract for Howling Talon, a contract to find his missing son, Temrid Pine Jr., the the lawyer, the um, the assistant to the adjudicatorium that we had met way back in Arkelvy, back pre-shattering, who now Pine has been unable to find. And after a night's rest where actually everyone was able to get a good night's rest, even though they're in the city of Almar, where that is apparently a, uh, a scarce commodity, uh, in the morning when they left their rooms in the drawn drapes, they discovered that the bartender was no longer working. He had been acting absent-minded of late, and this morning, he just didn't even show up for work. And as our party, Nari and the boys, 2.0, left the drawn drapes, that is where we are starting right now. It is just after lunchtime, and the day is yours. Let's go find Gerard. <laughs> Smitty's Bazaar it is, let's go. Let's go. So, who's this Gerard person? An informant you have, or...? Oh, you'll love him. The best eggs you'll ever have. Oh, okay. 
He's a chef, then. No, he's not a chef. So, you know Morgan Freeman? I love that, I love that guy. Okay. <laughs> Who doesn't? Add about 40 pounds to Morgan Freeman, and it's Gerard. Ooh. Porthos is the real star of the show, though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, he's a merchant. We run into him all over the place. He just, he always seems to be everywhere we are. And right now we're doing a kind of tongue-in-cheek because, um, you know, verisimilitude. Anyway, let's go find him. <laughs> all right. You guys head um, north uh, from the Drawn Drapes towards the Imperial Palace, um, towards Smitchy's Bazaar. It's just a, a, like an open square where um, a lot of the main streets come together. And there's this large open square with a, a fountain in the middle. And um, it's surrounded by houses and businesses. But um, Smitchy's Bazaar specifically is four large tents that vendors then have little booths inside of these tents. And as you approach, you can see that there are three, or that, sorry, there are four tents. You can see a purple tent, a dark red tent, a lighter red tent, and then also a light blue tent of varying sizes as you see people moving about to and fro all the live long day. <laughs> Here <laughs> is Smitty's Bazaar, uh, people buying and selling. There are, um, you can hear people like calling out wares and things like that. Um, and um, as you guys enter Smitty's Bazaar with the incredibly ridiculously high passive perceptions, there is no missing this massive woolly ox just curled up next to the larger of the red tents. And if you look really closely, you can see a small little crystal floating around his head. That poor baby, he's probably stifling in this heat. Well, we better go check it out. Make sure he's doing okay. See if he has any eggs he's laid. Mm, that's right. Wait, your friend Gerard lays eggs. Yes, he has a cloaca. That poor man. <laughs> Did you guys eat the eggs? Abby at one point had a cloaca too, probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. So yeah, you guys pass by some of these tents as you approach um, Porthos. And as you approach this tent, you can hear a booming voice from inside. Let's see, be talking to somebody saying, you'll you'll enjoy this, my friend. It's been, it's been great doing business with you. All right, later, my friend. I'll see you next time you're in some other town, and I'll probably be there too. Um, and you recognize the voice of Gerard. Wait, is he in all places at all times? Simultaneously? I think there may be like an army of Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> he might be one of the lords and ladies. He might just exist everywhere all at once. The Lord of Omelets? <laughs> he was probably like an illegal experiment that went horribly wrong. <laughs> or horribly right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, well, this this tent over here is uh, the one that's more on the south eastern edge of the uh, of the bazaar. Um, it's also the biggest one. As you guys approach the entrance, uh, you can see that there is somebody selling like statues in here. You can see that there is a curtained off area on one side of the tent and you hear laughter and giggling and some conversation going on. But over on the other side of the tent, you see standing behind a table with potions and with a shield behind him and other trinkets and that kind of thing. You see a chubby Morgan Freeman. And as you walk in, he looks over and he sees you and he says, oh, my friends, it's great to see you. Come see what I have. What are you doing here? Selling my wares. What do you mean? What am I doing here? 
Why would I not be here in Smitchy's Bazaar? This is the best place to sell your wares in the whole city of Elmar. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dripping with incredulity. (laughs) How's Porthos doing? Uh, Porthos is great. He handles Um, the heat okay. Oh, yeah, he doesn't bother him at all. At least I think. He hasn't complained. Do you have any fresh eggs? Fresh eggs? Of course. Yes. And And he kind of motions over to a shelf. There's like eight eggs lined up. They're massive. They're football size. Perfect. We'll take four. <laughs> Good heavens. What's the uh, what's the light thing that's hovering around the poor beast? Oh, that is something I bought from these fellows, actually. It was a uh, it was a crystal, an ion stone of sustenance. So Porthos does not actually have to eat or drink, which has saved me a bundle. Wait, a bundle. I think you got the better end of that bargain. Does he, he continues to produce eggs, though? Yes. How? Where? <laughs> where does his body get the materials to produce the eggs? You're asking me to literally explain where <laughs> eggs come from when there's a crystal floating around his head that makes him not hungry? Magic. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's <laughs> see what you got. It's kind of the answer around here. He hands over four eggs, and here's your four magic eggs. Perfect. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Obviously, there's potions lined up, um, as usual. Um, There is, uh, you see that there are some red potions. You see there's some brighter red potions. Uh, You see there's like a milky white potion. There's like a a potion that has like a red bead in it that keeps getting bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller. There's a black potion that has a little white, like almost like wisps in it. Yellow, there's one of those yellow and black swirls. There's one that keeps flashing from pink to clear. And then next to all the potions, there's this tiny little black marble. These are all things that you have seen before. And just so you guys know, they are some potions of healing. There is a um, a potion, uh, or elixir of health. Uh, there's a potion of great, there's some potions of greater healing, potion of heroism, potion of growth, potion of spider climb, potion of speed, potion of blink, and a bead of force. And love potion number nine. Oh, did I mention that? No, I did not. Love potion number nine is gone. Oh no! Oh so no! Could have been used on any of us. Please tell me, Gerard, that you dumped it down the sewer grate or something. You didn't actually sell that item, did you? So what item? What item are you talking about? The, the love potion. The love it's potion. It's deeply problematic. It, it is deeply problematic. Yes, I sold it to somebody who said that they were going to get rid of it for me. Yes. <laughs> they said they'd make sure that they got rid of it. Yes. So I'm sure nothing bad will come from that potion ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as you feel good about it. I'm satisfied. I feel great. 90 gold pieces, great. (laughs) Anyway, my friends, what of these potions are you interested in? I know you usually like to get these bright red potions of healing. I have five of them. Hmm. I've still got two potions of healing. I do as well. I have, yeah, I actually have three potions of greater healing. Oh, well, shoot. What else do you have? No, what else do you carry? Just potions now, or do you have any other... Oh, no, no, I've got these other things. This is just here on the front table. Behind me, I have... Well, here is this ever-smoking bottle, and this rope of climbing, and here's an ion stone of strength. Don't forget this staff of withering, and here, a bag of holding. Remember these two immovable rods? Yes, those are all still available, as well as this animated shield behind me. I haven't been able to sell any of these, but I do have some new things. 
and he shows you uh, a ring and the ring is on like on a little pillow and instead of where the jewel would be it's actually got two as well it's got like a ram's head with two jewels uh for eyes and it is a ring of the ram um next to that there are two slippers um and they have stitching on them and it almost looks like spider webs and these are slippers of spider climbing Mm. Um, and then next to the slippers, there is um, a horn. It is a silver horn resting on a pillow. And that would be a, we're going to change it around a little bit because um, Valhalla doesn't exist, but it's a silver horn of Valhalla. There is a mannequin behind the um, table and on it, there is a, well, a Batman cape. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yes, there's a Batman cape. And then um, there are two more things. There is a set of gauntlets that look to be leather, um, but um, but very well made. And then there is um, a wand that is resting on a pillow. Hmm. Tell me about the slippers and the leather gauntlets. Oh, okay. So the slippers are amazing. If you put them on, you can walk up surfaces. You can walk across the ceiling as if you were a spider. Ooh, 5,000 gold pieces. We used to have a friend who could uh, could walk like a spider. I miss him. <laughs> yes. Yes, where's your friend? Where's your uh, this new friend here? Where's your other friend? Where's uh, where's uh, uh, Ebby? Is that his name? Debbie, actually. Debbie, I believe. <laughs> hey, um, Kalen, shut up. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's not with us anymore. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. We have his things to sell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, and then you wanted to know about these, these gauntlets, these gloves. Actually, I was just wondering, though, if the, um... Do the slippers of spider climbing, do they require an attunement slot? I am pretty sure they do. Ooh. Okay. You know, the, the, the better things get, the usually they require attunement. So I can look it up real quick. Let me just look. It's okay. I mean, I have this necklace of adaptation that I've never used. <laughs> um, <laughs> they do require attunement, yes. Okay. What about the bracers? The bracers, oh, these, so if you look at them, and it's kind of morbid, I know, but um, this leather, this is not like cow leather. This is made from the hide of, and he kind of looks left and right, and he goes, an ogre. Ooh. So they're gauntlets of ogre power. Ooh. Wow. How much are those? Um, those actually, I mean, they're quite spendy. They're 8,000 gold pieces. But I could go, I could become a strength-based fighter. That sounds like a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> so they raise your strength to 19. So for Nari, I don't think they do you any good. Well, they take me. They would. They would add 11 to my strength score. Oh my god! <laughs> but for the Iron Stone would help. The Iron Stone, the strength would help Nari though. Yeah, that would actually help her more than the Gauntlets of Power, and there and then that's actually cheaper. Wait, the the Iron Stone of Strength. It can't still. It still can't take it over 20 though, right? Correct. And that's only 3,000 gold pieces. Well, well, I think about it. I do have some things to sell. Richter, sorry, I keep cutting you off, Richter. I know I said shut up, but uh, you're okay. Um, anything you're interested in? Um, no, nothing. Nothing at the moment. Uh, the shield is rather interesting, but yeah. Uh, but other than that, there's not a whole lot that that jumps out at me. This shield is quite amazing. 
it will float around you and protect you. 6,000 gold pieces. I mean, it does sound amazing, but I don't exactly have just 6,000 gold pieces hanging around, you know. Okay, all right. Well, there's also this wand, this wand of magic missile. I'm immune to that. (laughs) 8,000 gold pieces. I have some things to sell. I mean, I could sell you a couple things. Okay, yes, I do as well. Well, lay it on me. What what do you have to sell? I got this whip. Oh, okay. And I have this um, uh, adamantine breastplate. Okay. And a set of studded leather for some reason. And the breastplate from from Farron from yesterday. Let's let's figure out some pricing. The breastplate is going to be half of whatever um, the price of a normal breastplate is. So if someone wants to look that up real quick while I look up the magic items. That ion stone does look pretty cool. So it's 400 gold normally, so 200 for the breastplate. All right. And a plus one whip, you can sell that for 500 gold pieces. I've also got the boots of the Winterlands. Boots of the Winterlands. Nobody's wearing those anymore? The boots with the fur? With the fur. Wait, what about, hey, Richter, can you use any of these things before we sell them? Boots of the Winterland? I mean, they're definitely interesting, but I kind of favor my own boots. And he's got some finely crafted kind of special boots of his own that he wears. One of his his magic item that he took was a boots of elven kind. Wow, oh, nice. The heels on those are really high. <laughs> <laughs> they make my butt look nice. <laughs> So the boots of the Winterlands, um, I'm looking here. So just a quick FYI for everybody. And I've said this before in previous episodes, we have a document that's called Sane Magical Prices that somebody put out on, I think, Reddit forever ago that we've been using to keep prices, to figure out prices for magic items. And um, the boots of the Winterlands, to buy them new, any guesses how much they would cost? I have no idea. 10,000 gold pieces. What? <laughs> so you can sell it for 5,000 gold pieces. I'll trade you straight across for the slippers. So, deal. Slippers of spider climbing are now yours. You got to remember that the boots of winter kind, that not only do they give you resistance to cold, or the winterlands, resistance to cold, you can move through snow and ice as if it's, you know, normal terrain, even if it's difficult. And also, um, you can survive temperatures up to negative 50 just fine so it is a very cool item and it worked really well when you guys were up in the north but you guys are no longer there Mm -hmm. up in the mountains we call a day like that wednesday (laughs) (laughs) great (laughs) all right so anything else anybody wants to sell how much for the immovable rods again if you can get the pair for five thousand um a little light on cash even after selling those things. I have this ring of evasion that I'm not wearing anymore. Does anyone need it? I, I might be willing to uh, to use that if you're willing to let me. You can have it. I'll, I'll pass it over to Richter. Oh, very kind of you. Thank you so much. All right. Anything else anybody wants to do? So honestly, this is maybe a bit morbid, but do we have anything left over from Ebby's stuff that we would want to sell that we're not currently using? I mean, there was a wand of the war mage, I'm pretty sure. Uh-huh. I have his ion stone attuned of insight. Okay. So there I've was got, a ring of protection, yeah. too. Oh, I don't have that. Didn't we give that to Sabrina? Nari, didn't you take the ring of protection? 
Did I? Oh, no, you're right. I do have the ring of protection. Is uh, Chubby Morgan Freeman still wearing the witch's hat? Yes, he is. Oh, yeah, straight up. Uh, that's that's actually on my description. There was also that one mace that Ebby had that he hadn't identified oh, yet. Yeah, that crystal mace. I kept meaning to ask about that. We did pick that up, too. Um, I would say that the crystal mace, if you want to sell that, you could sell that for 3,000 gold pieces. Do we know what it does? Nobody has tried to attune it. I mean, you can have him cast identify on it if you want to give him 100 bucks and he can, he can identify it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay cool. Um, he pulls out a little pearl, and as he's holding this crystal in his hand, he's kind of rubbing the pearl at the same time. And he says, this is a, a fine weapon. It would actually deal some extra damage in the form of goodness or radiance. And also, it looks like if you were to speak its command word, it would actually in its general area around it, I think it would actually start to heal wounds. Um, So here's what it does. Um, It deals an extra D8 of radiant damage. And then also it will, for one minute, um, up to 10 feet uh, away from it, um, it will cure any ally within that 10 feet, uh, 1D4 hit points every round. Whoa. Wow. And that's one time per day. I was going to say, though, I think it's funny that you refer to radiant as goodness damage, but I I kind of think of it more as, like, radiation. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> I think of it... <laughs> That's what I think of it, too, as, like, light damage. Yeah, I think of it like, oh. I think of it like you're, you're standing in the middle of a nuclear reactor. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, I always think of it as, like, holy-type damage from, like, Final Fantasy. Yeah, there you go. It's basically, it's casting white. Right? Exactly. Um, here's the deal, though. He looks around at you guys and he says, I think the only one here. He says, he points at you, Rusi, he says, you could probably use this. And then he points at you, um, Pine, and says, and you might be able to use this. But I don't think the other two of you would actually be able to make full use of its uh, powers. I don't think I'd be able to make full use of its powers either. It looks kind of heavy. I'm more about finesse. Unless I had those really cool ogre skin gloves. <laughs> <laughs> You could deal 2d8 damage, and then also you could heal um, one time a day, uh, 1d4 hit points to everyone within 10 feet of you. It's a it's a martial weapon, though, right? It is martial, but it has certain requirements for a tomb. It has to be a cleric or a paladin. Oh. Did, how much were we getting for the Wand of the War Mage? You can get 600 gold pieces for it. Okay. I think that that happened before where you guys were like, I'm going to sell this, and I said 600 gold pieces, and you guys went, no, I'll just keep it then. Does it require a tomb yeah. Okay. Yeah, then no, I, I don't have any more slots. Let's just give it to Gerard and he'll be holding it next time we talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> We're basically kidding him out right now with all the stuff we sell to be the big bad at the end of the campaign. I was thinking he's more like our traveling storage where you just kind of like sell things and then you buy it back as you get more and more like wealthy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like a pawn shop. I was going to say, it's straight up Skyrim. You open up his inventory and you just see all the stuff you already sold to him there. <laughs> okay, yeah, very good. Okay, so um, anything else you might be interested in? I have um, more potions. I've got uh, this awesome shield that you guys were looking at last time. How much was the Iron Stone of Strength? Uh, 3,000. It gives you plus two to your strength. It does require attunement, though. Do you have attunement slots, Nari? I do, but I only have about, uh, well, 2,000 gold right now. So we could, we could sell the Wand of the War Mage. That'll get you 600, and I could... I could give you 400 gold. I mean, I'm, I'm okay for now. Uh, I think maybe next time, if I have a little bit more more pocket change, I'll purchase it. But 
I think I'm feeling pretty buff right now, as is. Hey, Richter, do you, were you interested in that uh, shield? Mm, no, I think at this point I'd I'd probably pass. It's it's rather expensive. And to think you guys had ten thousand gold piece boots. <laughs> You guys were like, I don't want these anymore. Whatever. They're just in my backpack. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, they were Ramsey's boots. That guy, that guy knew knew his stuff. Boots with the fur. He had the kicks, the pumped up kicks. Yes. So, on that note, Gerard says, "Well, my friends, it's been great to see you again. Um, I'll be here for the duration. So, if you change your mind about the shield or any of these other potions, just let me know." And uh, enjoy those eggs. I like that he's just going to be here for the duration. <laughs> he will be here as long as you need him to be here. How long will you be here for? Hmm? Hmm? Exactly how long? I'm thinking about heading out here in the next couple of days or, or so. I don't know. Um, you know me. I'm always traveling here and there. What city will you be going to next? Mm, I haven't quite decided. <laughs> I just wanted to know where we're going. Are you guys trying to get a hint as to where you're supposed to go next? <laughs> it all started out he was going to go to Valkenar. I don't know if you guys remember that. That was the first place he was headed. I do remember that. The goblins. I don't think he's ever made it there. What if the lords and ladies are preventing him from getting to Valkenar and they keep like pushing him towards wherever we're at? I don't think it's that. I think it's honestly the only reason why he's never been back to Valkenar is because we've never gotten to Valkenar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys are going to go to the moon and you're going to find a whole Gerard village. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I know that Matt gets that reference. I don't know if anyone else gets that reference, but. The Final Fantasy IV? Yep. Yes, naming the way. naming way village. Yes. Oh gosh. That was so lame. Oh gosh. Okay. You guys are now standing outside of Smitchy's Bazaar. Here's the other, here's the thing. There are other people selling other items and things. If you're interested in looking around for anything else, it'll probably be a little bit more mundane. But if there's anything you wanted to pick up now, um, you could probably find it here. Should we go to the Temple of Aramiel? How do you say it again? You're doing a great job. <laughs> okay. Just more phlegm next time. That guy. The, the dude that we had with the gag. <laughs> the dude that we had with the gag. Will you please stop talking about your ex like that? <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I never slept with, with Ramsey. <laughs> I was thinking about the other the other man with the gag that we have or hanging around, but oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes. yeah. You're right. Sorry. Well, so there's a, there's a few places we could go, right? There's um the Cathedral of Viramil. There's... We could go back to the gallery and poke around statues some more. There's also Eudoxia we were thinking of going to. And and there's also, I mean, honestly, there's the palace as well. We know that there's something, some entity that's actually in charge, and it could be in any one of those locations. But I'm leaning more toward the cathedral or the palace, if that's where we want to go. I guess... In, in charge? What gave you that idea? Well, you see, we're in tight with a couple of librarians of Cadrill. Um, and uh, they were doing some research for us, and they they'd come across information saying that the the Senate doesn't really doesn't truly rule Almar. That really there's an unknown entity that we should be wary of. Oh, I would have thought they were talking about Bartos. 
maybe. But then there's this thing about there's these angels that are coming after us, and we met uh, Prophet of Viramil on the street right before we met you, honestly. Um, and uh, he, again, spoke in the voice. Man, there's a lot of things we have not clued you in on, aren't there? <laughs> Richter, here. Nari, uh, Roos, why don't you... Why don't you go um, do some more shopping, whatever. I think I think Victor and I are going to have a little conversation. Did you have those... Did you have characters made up for us for when we go to Eudoxia? I just want to make sure I remember what my name was supposed to be and what university I was coming from. You were going to be... Um, Professor um, Neveris Figglebottoms. Oh, <laughs> I was going to do Harry Potter stuff, but uh, <laughs> anyway, that may have been my inspiration as well. But we'll see. <laughs> anyway, Rick, hey Richter, can can I have a moment? Yes, of course. I feel like we've been a little um, evasive a little bit, but I think you've. At least at this point, you've really proven that we're kind of in this together. So I want to be—I want to be frank with you, and I'm not—I, you know, in my older age, I joke around a lot. I get that. This is 100% serious, okay? Of course. And then uh, Pine will try to find like a quiet corner here in the bazaar, just where nobody's paying attention to him, and explain the crystal pizza shield explain uh, the facility we found in the mountains under Nari's home, what happened there with the actual shattering, explain all the craziness when we got back together with what happened with Kira and the cultists and the Thu, and then meeting the prophet and the, the initial warnings, the, the, the voice heard on the wind, and now comparing that to what the bartender was able to pick up in his dreams and just kind of lay it all out there for Richter. And I'll be like, I know that's a lot to take in. Huh? One year later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So here's the deal. You guys have that conversation. We'll get to that. Roos and Nari, what do you guys want to do while Pine and Richter are having this conversation? Did you guys want to go somewhere else and explore or something like that while they're having this literally hour or two hour conversation. <laughs> Ruth wants to convince Nari to get that ion stone. Okay. Uh, oh, um, well, let's, let's come back to that. I, I think it would be more beneficial if we maybe poked around the stalls and see if we could overhear or convince someone to talk to us a little bit about the going ons of the city and, and maybe what we can expect at the uh, temple of Ir- Irmiel? Is that is that how you say it? No, I think Irmiel? you're supposed to like do something with your throat, like Irmiel. It's the temple of Nermal. A little cat that annoys Garfield. All right. Okay. So, um, Pine and Richter, you guys find a a quiet spot by the fountain where you guys just sit and talk. Pine, you clue in Richter. And we'll get Richter's response to this conversation uh, in a little bit. Um, but as you guys are talking, Roos and Nari, you guys start to walk around the bazaar, um, looking around, trying to see what you can see. Um, because you guys are kind of like out there trying to, um, you know, gather intelligence stuff, I'm going to have you guys make either perception or investigation checks. 
and I know your passive perceptions are high, but that also means that your modifiers for perception are also very high. Oh my gosh. They are, but I still rolled a 13. Roos is like trying really hard to convince Nari how to say Iramil, but he's doing it really bad. And he rolled a 15, <laughs> so they're both really distracted trying to say the name of the god. Oh, golly. Oh, you guys had the same roll then, because uh, Roos has a plus 12. Um, okay, I'll say with the 15, um, as you guys are walking around saying, Hermil and Hermil and Hermil, um, Roos, with your 15, at one point you're talking, and you guys are kind of joking around about it a little bit, I imagine, but you say Hermil, and um, you notice that somebody who else is walking through the bazaar, their ears perk up and they look over in your direction. They quickly glance away as soon as you make eye contact. And uh, the person starts to walk away from you um, as you and Nari continue to walk through the bazaar. Bruce points to him and says, let's go talk to that person. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nari will kind of use her body to easily turn around in the crowd and catch up. Yeah, this person is not hurrying away from you, but just kind of um, heading out of the bazaar. But you manage to get up to uh, to him very quickly. Um, and um, what are you going to do as he is walking away from you? Excuse me, sir. Do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior? Your <laughs> Camille. <laughs> when you say the name, he turns around um, and he looks at you. He's going to make insight checks or an insight check. Oh, Natural 20. Um, he bobs his head and says, um, I- I'm sorry, I-, I don't have time. I, I need to get home. Um, have a great day. And then he turns around and starts walking out again. Have a good day. He's either not very devout or uh, we came on a little too strong. Yeah, I think we're more righteous than he is. <laughs> I think that's probably it. He probably was intimidated <laughs> with your immaculate pronunciation. Yeah, I don't think his name has ever been said quite as perfectly as I just said it. I can imagine he's probably having an existential holy crisis. <laughs> I think you're right. There's got to be something oh to the, like, if you say his name just right, maybe he, like, loves you more. I'd believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I do, too. Oh, you guys are hilarious. <laughs> well, Nari will just kind of, like, walk up to the closest vendor and... Um, kind of do what she can to salvage the situation and and just sort of ask like have there been any uh, rumors around the city you know what kind of work do you have for me <laughs> what kind of work do i have for for you um you can buy some of my spices uh, and we'll take two meat pies <laughs> i don't sell meat pies i'm selling spices do you not listen so sorry we'll take some spices for the meat pies in this other stall that we're going to look for Oh, okay. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> right. um, as you guys are trying to salvage the situation, asking about like rumors and things, let's have you guys make investigation checks real quick. I am so good today. I got a 12. <laughs> and I rolled a 10. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> the night of mediocrity. I'm just glad that I rolled good in the last session and not in this one. Like, I'd rather be good when it really matters. Uh, you could have been locked in a cell if you hadn't rolled well last time. This is true. 
you guys are trying to gather information. It seems like people here are not really interested in talking with you. They're more interested in trying to sell you what they what they've got. Um, so you know, you get um, you get little pleasantries and things, and people ask about rumors, and then they go, "Oh, well, I heard a rumor that this guy sells the best meat pies in town." You know that kind of thing. So it's uh, no no real luck on that point as you guys continue to walk around Smitty's Bazaar. Join the Patreon, and we'll actually put the best meat pie recipe up there, <laughs> only for our highest paying patrons. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Pine and Richter. Um, Pine, you finish your tale. Um, now, Jordan, you have been here all along. Of course. But Richter has not. What's Richter's response to all this? He uh, He's kind of got a scowl and he's staring into the fountain for a good moment, absorbing the information as it's come through. After a moment, he says... There are things that speak of truth that seem to jive with some of my own understanding. And yet, to think that some of these things which have only been legend might actually be real is a lot to take in all at once. Uh, take take Ramsey. You explained the situation with the angel and his fight uh, against the sword and shield. That evening, I remember it well. I We were speaking with Ramsey, and he was essentially in house arrest. And then all of a sudden, he was dead. His body was just there we thought that he took his life maybe he had some poison secreted away and that he didn't want to reveal some truth or something and then of course the shattering right shortly thereafter it was so bizarre and because of its strangeness that's how I believe it to an extent that there's an element of truth to your story. And I've known you, Timrid, for long enough to know that you wouldn't fabricate or fall victim to some flight of fancy. It's still hard to grasp, but I can accept that it is more likely than not true what you've told me. At least I have no reason to doubt it. At least, yes, you feel that at least I believe it, right? Yes. Well, and I mean, the uh, there were the rumors of the prophecy that was percolating through the Empire from the Mad Oracle. And we at Fallen Heaven were working hard to try to decipher or, or discern the authenticity of those things, whether we could trust that rumor and what it might portend. And then to have these events unfold as you've described them, perhaps there's more to this than we realized. You know, I always suspected that the cult of inevitability was the cancer at the heart of the Empire. Clearly, we were no friend to the Empire, but that what drove some of the aggressive expansiveness of the Empire was related to this violent dogma and ideology. And so I always saw the rhetoric 
from the cult and from their religion as being a major issue. Honestly, it was one reason why I came back to, to Almar after the shattering and after Minarest was restored, more or less. I came back here because I had heard that the cult was still kind of festering in the underground and I wanted to keep tabs on it. I felt like as long as that was still a factor, there would still be instability and likely a possibility of a resurgence of not, if not the empire itself, of some shadow of it. And so all of this seems to make sense. And I can't pretend to know how you all fit in to this grand scheme of things. But for what it's worth, I want you to consider me a friend and one that's willing to help in any way that I can. And I do. I do. And Pine will um, pull Kenig's S-talk off of his back. I do trust you. And um, as a show of good faith, well... Field Marshal, sir, I ask your leave. Huh. And I will hand the S-talk over to you. Pine, as you ask the leave of the Field Marshal, and as you hand it to Richter, first off, Richter, do you take it? He is hesitant to take it. So Richter sees the the S-Doc and he is awestruck. He hasn't seen this in a long time. He won't take it right away, but he'll say, you know, I was, I was there when Kinnig died. He wouldn't leave the city. I, I tried to sneak in to get him away, to liberate him from captivity but he wasn't willing to to leave behind his post as the field marshal. And so he, uh, to use a phrase, he went down with the ship. I had already gathered a lot of his personal effects, assuming that he would come with me, including that S-Doc. And it didn't feel right to me then to use it for my own. Even though I trained in the same style, even though I was uh, a protege of his under the school of the Blazing Sun, it never was mine. To see that you, that it came to you, <laughs> it makes me glad to know that it was in good hands this whole time. I, I don't know if, honestly, I don't know if I'm worthy of that weapon. Perhaps you could hold on to it for a bit longer. I can do that. Or we could ask the field marshal himself. And Pine will take the, the S-talk and without like stabbing it into the ground, he will put a point down on the ground. And I'll use go ahead and use the spell slot and everything to summon the S-talk. And I'll leave it there. I'll let go of it. And it will stand there as if someone is holding it point down into the ground. I don't need you guys to make perception checks or anything like that. Um, the sun is up. It is a beautiful day. Just a nice breeze blows through the square. Both of you, as you are looking at the the S-talk that sits there 
The tip is resting on the yellow bricks of the market square. You look down at the tip and you can see where the sun hits it. You can see the shadow of the blade uh, across the bricks. And along with the shadow of the blade, you see a dimmer shadow. But it's the shadow of a man, a figure. You can see a posture of like a military bearing, very straight spine, um, standing at attention, two hands resting on the pommel of the S-talk. And as you both are watching this shadow, um, you don't really see the figure, but you can tell just from the way that the shadow is situated. Pine, the shadow, the figure that would be standing there is looking at you. And you can see in the shadow a bow. It is a deep, honorific bow to you. And then you see the shadow rise back up as the Estoc comes up and the shadow and the blade together give the Menores salute to you, Pine. And then you see the blade float in the air and come to rest right in front of Richter, handle in front. And you can almost see just a little outline of Field Marshal Kennig holding this S-talk by the blade, holding the handle out to Richter. Richter just starts to cry. Like he just, the tears just start to flow. He's not, you know, losing control to weeping, but he is deeply moved. This is probably the most potent emotional or spiritual experience that he's had at least in in his recent memory maybe in his entire life and he very gingerly takes hold of the handle and breathing heavily he he says half to himself and half to pine he says Kenick was as much a father to me as anyone in this world. And I just miss him a great deal. This means more than you may ever know. I think uh, I've had it for years now. And I think I came to realize as soon as I saw you that I was just holding it for you. It came to me so that I could give it to you when you were ready. <laughs> well, I don't know if I believed in fate, but perhaps with all that's happening, maybe I should re-examine my own faith. Thank you. You're welcome, Galen. Get it together, man. We're in public. I'm sorry. Wipe <laughs> those tears. <laughs> Are we interrupting something? <laughs> Bruce and Nari walk in and, and in, in classic 
terrible roles that they've been doing. Um, they just blunder into the situation and totally <laughs> kill the mood. I've got meat pies for you. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Apparently, Richter's an ugly crier. Look at that guy. Ugly <laughs> 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 crier. Oh, God. <laughs> Stay oh, with man. us. You'll meet a god one day. Don't worry. <laughs> That'll do crazy things to your faith. <laughs> They're really not as impressive as you would think. <laughs> that's comforting. I don't know what to think about this. I thought Aramil was pretty impressive with his six wings, three sets of wings. No, they've been pretty cool. They've been pretty cool. Don't scare the poor guy. He's already <laughs> crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> well, on that note, what do you want to do, guys? It's probably about four o'clock in the afternoon now. I think it's probably time we check out that temple, huh? I mean, we could take a quick stop by there and then head out to Eudoxia or the gallery. Almar is a city to be explored. So here we go. You leave Smitty's Bazaar, heading south by southwest towards the massive edifice known as the Cathedral of Iramil, the most massive building dedicated to the Angel of Unity or Angel of Inevitability on all of Pavantes. The building runs basically north to south lengthwise. You enter, the main entrance is on the north side. There are also some side entrances because it's built like a classic cathedral. So it has a, a long section and then on one end it ha has that transept. So it's like a T. Um, and so that, that cross section, that T part of the cathedral is further towards the south. Um, it has two large towers uh, by the entrance. The tower on the west side actually also bears a massive array of bells. Bells that have not been rung recently, but in the days of the Almerian Empire, when the worship of Iramil was much more prominent and much more um, public, those bells rang often. Um, as you approach, you can see that there are people lounging up against the side of the building, using it as cover from the sun. You see people have set up little like lean-tos and little uh, awnings that they're camping underneath. You can see like people who are homeless or beggars or that kind of thing who are using this as a camp, basically. Um, there are uh, no buildings directly next to this cathedral. It's actually out in the middle of this large area that's clear of buildings. Um, the closest buildings are a good, like probably 50 to 100 feet away. So it's this large open space with this huge building in the middle. And you guys are approaching the front doors. Yeah, and, and as we approach, Pine would say, be on the lookout for any iconography or or artwork or anything that, that depicts the five or um, tells the story of Iramil that might give us some clues for what to, where to go next. Or, or we could also look for levers that might lead to secret passages. It's true, but uh, Bruce, you're going to need to have somebody else help you with the levers. You're not mechanically minded. <laughs> you know, I was really trying to figure out that mechanism. <laughs> for the elevator. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's so great that that's canon. <laughs> All right. Technology's not for everyone. But this is why I have Gigi. Well, as you guys approach this uh, front of this cathedral, the two big massive towers in the front, um, you walk between those two towers, and then there are these 
two sets of double doors, um, and in between them there is this fountain. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks like there's nobody here at the entrance. But as you approach the doors, you can see that um, one set of doors, the doors on the west side, um, one of the doors is kind of cracked open a little bit. It looks like this is not locked, and you can probably just walk right on in. Then we do it. Go ahead. You guys can move your tokens. We cannot move our tokens. We are not on the right map. No, move your tokens. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you just try hard enough, then you can do it. Uh, let's see here. You guys are going to here. Ding 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 ding. Ooh, there we go. So I'm going to tell you this mechanically, Paul. I don't want to be the one making the investigation check because I have plus zero to it. But what Pine would be looking for specifically, he you know, like he mentioned, he'd be looking for some kind of indication of the the five other angels. We know that there's a there's a breath one and there's a mind one um right because it was like the breath of pavantis the the mind of pavantis yep and mm-hmm. then um on top of that also pine will be looking for any of the any iconography that matches the statues from the gallery so like the lion or like the, any, anything like that to see if those almerian history statues are part of the greater iramiel legend cool awesome um, Richter could try to make the investigation check then. Okay. We could say Pine kind of explained what we're looking for, and then Richter goes off to try to find it. Oh, hey, it's Evangeline Lily. <laughs> 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 we know where Nari's going to be doing her investigation. <laughs> hello, hello. As you guys walk into the cathedral, into the nave of the cathedral, you can see that there are pillars that go down. That this, this cathedral is massive. It has got to be 200 feet or more just to the center of the cathedral. And then at the f- very far end, you can see on the southern end of this cathedral, there's a massive statue of Iramiel. You can see in front of it, there are um, candles that are lit. There are like offerings that have been placed up on this um, platform. There's like this staircase that goes up to this large stone stage and then on top of that stage is this massive statue um the stage actually has like a iron gate around it so that you know you can't actually get in by the statue uh it looks like it's locked up um but there is somebody has been in here and has gotten in there and lit candles um or lit candles not lit i like lit because it sounds like kitten <laughs> Litten sounds like a pokemon i i, I like it because it sounded like uh the lit from but the original Final Fantasy. Yes. Let's <laughs> two. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so somebody has um, alighted the candles as well as um, some offerings and things in front of this statue. But you can see that there are like um, little alcoves that run down along the side of the nave, um, pillars. It looks like at one point closer to the entrance than to the to the statue, there is a chandelier that was hanging from the ceiling way up high. Um, has actually fallen down. This place has a look of disrepair, but not of um, dereliction. It looks like people have been not taking care of this place, like knocking things over. You can see that there's a couple places where candelabra are knocked over. You can actually see that one of the doorways that leads into one of these towers, um, the door has been knocked off its hinges. However, the building itself still seems quite sturdy um, and, um, and stable, right? So it's not like the building isn't old it's just people are just not taking care of it. and you do see people um in here you see um small groups of people huddled together talking um you see over on the on the east side of the nave you see like a, there's a man and a woman who are 
in one of these little alcoves. It looks like they're looking at a statue and they're talking about things. Further on down, you see a smaller group of three or four. And then down in front of the statue, you see that there are some people. There's other people just kind of milling about in here. It's got this quiet, uneasy, uncomfortable silence in here. And as you step in and your feet hit the tile, you can't help but notice that click, click of your boots on the stone and on the tile echoes through the whole building. Now, Richter was going to make an investigation check, I believe. Yeah. With advantage from Pine. Woohoo. Okay. Investigation. I got a 22. Fantastic. What are Rus and Nari doing? Rus was going to, he's less interested in like the artwork or anything like that. He's more specifically looking for any sort of passageways or anything that might lead deeper into the facility. Okay. Yeah. Easy. Um, yeah. Bruce, as you move around, you go to that, um, that doorway that goes into the tower. He's kind of looking around the one that's been knocked off of its hinges. You can see as you peek in there, um, that this, this level of the tower has different statues and iconography and, um, different religious artifacts. Some of them have been smashed. Some of them are still standing, but you can see that there is in the center of the tower, there is a staircase going up and there's a staircase going down. Um, and, um, We'll say that as you went to the other tower too and looked through the door, because the door is iron bars, um, you can see that that the other tower is a mirror image of this one. So a staircase going up and a staircase going down. So that is something that you spotted right away, Roos. Um, Nari, what are you doing? I I think I was just going to follow Roos at this point and kind of just be a lookout, make sure that that nobody's paying too much attention to us. Um, And then I'll follow him wherever he decides to go. Okay. Um, Nari, as you are following along behind Roos, you do see that some of these groups of people, they're, they're talking and say something and then they'll all kind of glance over in your guys' direction and go back to talking. Um, you know, so they are aware that you're here, but nobody's making like um, a, a, an overt move against you. Roos and Nari, you guys are investigating this tower with the, with the knocked down doorway. Richter and Pine, you guys start moving down the nave towards the statue at the far end. In the center of the transept, there is like an altar where you imagine the priests of Iremil would probably preach, um, give sermons, that kind of thing. Um, and as you approach with your 22 investigation, Richter, you start seeing things on some of the columns that run down this nave. I mean, you see like cuss words and stuff painted on here, let's be honest. <laughs> and things like Iremil failed us, that kind of thing. And as you're walking down, you notice that a couple of the things that speak specifically about Iremil, you can see that a lot of that has been attempted to be scrubbed away and cleaned. Um, you can still see the remnants of it. Um, but something that you do keep spotting that has not been cleaned, um, Richter, you see what looks like a circle with a triangle inside and you see that over and over again not like all over the place but it's something that keeps it it catches your eye every once in a while and it doesn't seem like there's any pattern to where they are it just seems like in certain places there is a circle with a triangle um inside and as you guys approach the altar um in the center of the transept Rus and nari are still towards the north looking around at the statuary and the staircase is going up and down, and Pine and Richter. As Richter, as you notice this triangle, now Pine has not noticed it. Um, are you going to point it out to him or anything? Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, I think as we're going along, after he sees it a couple of times repeated, he'll gently kind of point to it in a hushed tone, say to Pine, does that mean anything to you? It's all over the place in here. Paul? Yes. Did this symbol appear on the living canvas? Yes, it did. Remember when I told you about the uh, the living canvas of Nari's people? Yeah. Well, uh, that symbol appeared. I'm trying to remember where on the body it was. But, yes, I'm familiar with that symbol. I don't know what it means, but I've seen it. In a prophetic way. The symbol... I mean, I've told you before, but I don't expect you to remember specifically. It was a triangle pointing up like in a circle. And it was right at the belt line, just slightly left of center. Um, oh. As you two are discussing... Yes. Yeah. Are we on the equator? You are in the largest city in all of Pavantes. You are basically in the center of the world, of the known world. I don't know if that answers your question. I think it does. As you two are discussing this, you see um, some of these groups of people in the church start to approach you warily, but they see that you have been stopping and looking at things and are now discussing what you have found. And I'll say, Roos and Nari, you guys are still way up at the north, but you, with your guys' amazing passive perceptions, you guys can't help but notice that these groups of people have started to converge on Pine and Richter. Keeping their distance at this point, but one of them calls out and says, Hey, old man, you're not wanted here. Richter will, over his shoulder, will say, You'll have to be a little bit more specific. There's more than one old man here. And then another one calls out, Hey, old men, you're not wanted here. Paul, I should have written this down. What were the words from the bartender's dream? Why don't you do your best? Ah! <laughs> it was something, something, the mind of Pavantis. Would a history check help him recall it? Why don't you make a history check? Yep, that's a great idea. Okay, oh, plus four. That's a 15. With something like awareness and ether, the mind of Pavantis. Take this awareness and awaken the end. So I will say that. Awareness and ether, the, the, the mind of Pavantis. Take this awareness and awaken the end. Okay. With a 15, you weren't quite right. <laughs> Nari's going to hurry that direction while she's watching this show. Yep, Nari, you can move 30 feet. Roos, you can move 30 feet. And we are going to roll initiative. So with your 15, I'm sorry, it wasn't quite good enough. So I did I did tell you the wrong thing. Oh my god, I rolled a nat one. Oh no. Roos got a 22. Mine weren't, mine weren't showing up earlier either. I had to refresh D&D uh, uh, Beyond and then it started working. By the way, Jordan, I don't have any stats for Ken Exist Talk. It was just a spell for me. So <laughs> Yeah, no worries. It'll, it's just a basic S-Doc for me right now. We can, we can talk about it being special maybe another time. 
Probably like a plus seven S doc, I think. <laughs> no, it's definitely got some. It's definitely got some powers. Hey Richter, I think we found your cultists. <laughs> I think you're right. What'd you get, Nari? Two. I'm so upset, you guys. My rolls have been so bad. It makes you feel any better? Their rolls were also terrible. Probably not because I think Nari's still going last. I think she is. Yeah, so the two. Yeah. It's the more consistency that's the issue than anything else. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. We are now at the top of the initiative. We have Roos with a 22. It is your turn. You see all of a sudden these worshipers throw back their cloaks and their rags, and you can see that they are either armed or they are dangerous looking. Um, and uh, it looks like there are three who are north of Pine and Richter, and there are three who are south of Pine and Richter. And Roos, you are still quite a ways away. You're almost 100 feet away from the nearest bad guy. None of them were Evangeline Lily. Like, she's not bad, though, is she? When they threw off their cloaks, the Evangeline and Lily makeup came off. And, ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yes. Roos will uh, move 30 feet closer, so he's still about 60 feet away. Um, I'm actually going to... I'm going to hold an action, since from at this distance, I don't know that a fight's going to start out yet, so I'm going to hold an action that if anyone that's within range of me right now moves aggressively towards my friends, I will throw um, one of my chakram at them. Okay. That brings us to Pine. Pine. You have a group that's further south of you and a group that's further north of you, and they're both converging on yours and Richter's position. So Pine will say to Richter, don't let him pincer us. Regroup. And Pine will rush to the north, to the group that's coming from the north. And I have 35 feet of movement. And so let's see if I can make it. Oh, I can make it. The three people that you have uh, that are coming from the north, looks like one of them is unarmed, but looks like they've got a lot of muscle. Um, then there's another one who has a bow. And there's another one who has got like a, a book in one hand and has a pouch full of crystals on their waistband. Um, so it looks like you got like... Um, a brawler, an archer, and a, and a mage of some kind to the north. So the way that they're positioned, um, in order for me to make it to the the mage, I would have to put myself right between everybody. So I feel like they're the biggest threat, and I want to take care of them first, but I also don't know if I should put myself in that position. But I'm going to do it anyway. So I'll go right in there, right up next to all of them, and I'm going to um, take some swings at the mage. Okay. First attack is a 13 to hit, but I'm gonna go ahead and use my um, ability to uh, increase it by 10, so it's a 23 to hit. That will hit, yes. And that's 12 piercing, five cold. Unleash with precision Swordmaster's Fury at, uh, let's go ahead and do a level two. So that's another 3d8 for 14 additional damage. Nice. So that's 17 plus 14. That's awesome, that's 31 damage on your first hit. Okay, um, I should have done this before, but I'm gonna go ahead and do a Sword of Infernos. So I'll say, the Craven fall and are consumed. Sword of Infernos. And I will go ahead and take my second attack, which is an 18 to hit. That'll hit. Okay, so that's seven piercing, four cold, plus an additional four fire damage, and then they have to make a DC 16 con save or be lit on fire. Uh, DC 16 con? Yep. Oh, they are on fire. Okay. When do they take fire damage? The beginning of their turn? At the start of its turn. 
makes a constitution saving throw, and if it fails, it takes more damage. So it has to make the con save again now. Actually, this con save should have been, well. That's two con saves right there. No, this con save is for the next time. He shouldn't have had to roll the con save just yet, but let's save it though, because it was awesome. Well, it's his turn next, so is there anything else you want to do? Unleash with precision, Sword Master's Fury. Uh, and I'll do another level one spell. So that's another uh, 12 damage on top of all that. And a flaming husk of a man drops to the ground dead. He only had two hit points left. Your fire would have probably killed him. Well, that's my turn. One of these cultists is down. That brings us now to the other cultist that is of this same type. Um, down to the south, you see of that, that group of three, you see another muscular guy with, with like no weapons. You also see a guy who has a, a long sword and a short sword drawn ready to go. And you see this other man with a, a book and a bag full of crystals. And he is going to cast a spell. Richter, I need you to make a wisdom save. Ooh. Okay. Difficulty 14. Yeah, I wish I had Ebby's wisdom saves right now. Let's see. Oh, I only got an eight. Richter, suddenly you feel the need to scurry and hide somewhere within the walls as you are turned into a rat. Whoa. Polymorph. Okie dokie. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Don't worry, that's a one time per day spell. I guess it's better than a spider. <laughs> I didn't know Richter could do that. <laughs> that brings us now to the, the guy with the two swords. He's going to rush past Rat Richter and do a double move towards Pine. Not quite able to make it there in one turn, but the last person to go before Richter's turn, it is this um, this archer. Oh, wait. Roos, you had a saved uh, action. The only one that's in range is this guy. So if he's attacking, then 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 I will attack him. He's got a bow drawn. He is in base-to-base um, -base contact with Pine. He is going to step back 30 feet. You can make your attack, and then uh, Pine, you can make your uh, reaction as well, if you want to. Yes, I do. It's a 21 to hit. I got a 17 to hit. Okay, you both hit. Do I get precision because he was engaged? Yes. So I got uh, 9 psychic and 15 precision. So uh, 24 total. Wow. Pine got seven piercing, two cold. Nice. And unleash with precision, Swordmaster's fury. On a two d eight. I'm just gosh. burning through my. We're we're ambushed and we just lost one of our heavy hitters. So that's yes, five did. additional damage. Perfect. All right. He is going to now turn around and take a few shots on you, Pine. That is two shots in your direction. So first shot is going to be. Total of 18. Does that hit? That does not hit. Yes. Oh, he used his eagle eye skill. Dang it. He's got two more of those. Uh, let's see here. Next shot is going to be 20. Does that hit? That hits by one. That will be 16 damage. Okay, I can take it. It is now Rat Richter's turn. Richter, what are you going to do? Um, you are now a rat, so you think like a rat. You kind of know kind of who you are and what's going on you know danger but i guess what would a rat do in this situation wall hide run scurry run perfect <laughs> go 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 so i'm gonna scurry the 20 feet of movement that i've got okay over to the side here okay and that is it 
that will bring us now to the uh, muscle bound guys. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Um, the muscle on paper boy. <laughs> the, uh, the one that's to the south is. Uh, He's a little too far away. He moves, he does a double move to get towards Pine. Still can't quite reach you. But the other one is right in face-to-base contact with you, Pine. There are three punches coming your way. 21 hits, 16. Nope. And nine. Nope. So one hit. Oh, only 10 damage. Okay. Oh, wait. Plus six more damage. So 16 damage total from the one punch. Okay. Ooh. That's a heck of a bunch, though. Yes. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm not... I, I don't love this, but I'm still over half health. Now, Nari, it is your turn. Um, you are quite a ways away from the majority of the battle. There is an archer who is a little bit closer to you, but what are you going to do from way up far to the north? Uh, I think I'm actually just going to run towards everyone, um, and I'll just use my movement to get as close as possible um, to the guy closest to me, the, which is the archer, I think. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to do 30 movement or are you going to use your, uh, are you going to do a double move? No, I'm going to use my double movement so I can get all the way up to him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. You're like right up next to him then. Yeah. All right. Um, you are now threatening him. If he decides to try to move away from you, then, um, you'll get an attack of opportunity against him. And if he tries to attack you with a bow, it's with disadvantage because he's using a ranged weapon in close combat we are here at the top of round two it is Roos's turn here in the temple of Iramil in the city of Almar and that is where we're going to stop for tonight an ambush Ooh. from cultists of Iramil one thing that you guys did not notice in the um, Smitchy's Bazaar as Roos and Nari were fumbling around trying to buy meat pies is that um, a couple of people there were actually cultists. Um, but that's okay. It slipped by you. You managed to find them anyway. And the meat pies were worth it too. So <laughs> yeah, the meat pies were totally worth it. Yeah, um, that spice but, we bought too just added that a little extra kick. Oh, nothing like a meat pie with saffron on it. <laughs> Don't forget to go to our Discord where you can chat with us, chat with each other, share theories. You guys can talk about uh, the campaign so far. Um, or tell us about your campaign. That's always fun to hear about what you guys are doing. Also, we have a shop uh, and we um, have a Patreon. So go check that out too. If you want to see the Cathedral of Iramil, uh, it is massive and you can actually go and look at it and see first and second floor. Um, that's I think is already available and open to look at. But until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time.